Hello, you're listening to a special Diversity Education Week version of Gen Ed, an NC State-specific podcast that focuses on issues commonly faced by students attending North Carolina State University. For this special episode, I got to talk to Stephanie Tate, Editor-in-Chief of the Nubian Message here on NC State's campus, and Charles Morris, the underground hip-hop music director at WKNC. We talked about microaggressions and the realities many students of color and other minorities face every day on North Carolina State University campus. If you have a specific topic you'd like us to address on Gen Ed, please email your suggestions to podcast at wknc.org. Enjoy listening. I am Stephanie Tate. I'm a junior majoring in political science, and I am the editor-in-chief of the Nubia Message. I'm Charles Morris. I'm a senior studying public relations, and I'm the hip-hop music director at WKNC. So y'all both attended the town hall meeting at NC State a couple weeks ago. What did y'all think about that? You want me to go first? Man, I, f- I felt like like it was just typical bureaucratic nonsense, just kind of sweeping the issue under the rug. Chancellor Woodson just kind of tried to, he, he attempted to put the legal side out there, which is a really weak argument yeah. because That's you've seen yeah. students getting expelled <laughs> yeah. from universities across the country for similar infractions. So it was really just kind of disappointing because we we all were there because we were disappointed in the fact that those kids got away with just having to write like a two paragraph nonsense bull- yeah. But either way, we were there to we were there to voice that we were upset about that. And like nothing was done. Like they just totally said, okay, we know you're upset about it. Now on to the next one. (laughs) Yeah, I'd have to agree. I definitely think that um, there was a lot of legal jargon used and not enough acknowledging the hurt of students of color. And at one point, a student actually called Chancellor Woodson out for not looking at students of color when they're talking about their experiences at NC State. And um, I would just have to say, I completely agree with a lot of the students that were saying, don't call yourself an inclusive campus when you have students of color that are telling you, we don't feel included on this campus, we don't feel safe on this campus, and then be like, well, we're really diverse and we're great (laughs) and NC State is wonderful because to love NC State requires that you want NC State to be better. So that's not to say that students of color don't love NC State, but that we deserve and we expect better from the university. You know, like um, one of the things that bothered me was where were all the other fraternities and sororities, the predominantly white fraternities and sororities that participate in Diversity Week? They were nowhere to be found at that town hall. It was just mostly, you know, students of color and a few white white students peppered in. But those white students were people that are already allies in the first place. So it's really just kind of like an echo chamber. What are your opinions on the group me messages that surfaced on Facebook on Wolfpack students a couple weeks ago? And did you see any anger within, for instance, the staff of Nubian Message or anyone you knew on campus? Yeah, so the Nubian Message staff consists mostly of Black students. Um, We have a couple of Latino and Hispanic students, and then um, we have two white students, but it's mostly Black students. And I think what I really heard from my staff is we're upset 
but we're also a news organization. So we have to report on what's going on. But then also this is a major priority for us because it affects us in our daily lives. When we walk out of the Nubian message office, we're still students of color on NC State's campus. And from what I saw from a lot of students of color is regardless of whether or not this was in a private group chat message, these thoughts, these ideas, they manifest themselves in microaggressions across campus. They manifest themselves in saying, well, you're really pretty for a black girl. Or, um, you know, I didn't know that black dudes were really smarter. Are you on the football team when someone is literally probably like five foot two and 100 pounds? So um, those microaggressions, those are the things that um, come out of that type of language, that type of, type of rhetoric. And I think that's one of the issues is it's not just about the fact that it was in the group me um, or that it was in a private messaging um, app, but that those those behaviors manifest themselves eventually. Absolutely. You know, like um, I was the first person to speak at the town hall. And one of the things that I brought up, I'm older. I went to the army before I went to college. So I'm older than most students that I that I that I hang with out here at, at state. But like seeing it from and plus I came from the north. I came from the Bronx down here. And it was it was so different when it came to that kind of stuff. Like we all kind of in the Bronx, we like we we're just so diverse. We would all kind of like mess around with each other about race. It was, you know, it was kind of like lighthearted and more just like you know latino versus black and all that but um but you know coming down here just like you can see the hate in the speech you know what i mean like i can take i can take someone having making some jokes that are racially charged and actually having them maybe be kind of funny but when you can feel the hate in the words like talking about bringing guns to a peaceful to, to a peaceful demonstration and them talking about them being afraid for their lives meanwhile threatening our lives like that's just it's insane. And how the school can just 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 sweep it under. As I said, I feel like I like a broken record, but just the way they just swept that under the rug is just insane because we've gone from when I was a kid, especially in the inner city, you you know just make fun of gay people. It was just a part of it was just something you did. And growing up, that was something I've had to change about myself. And I have gay friends and, you know, I'd say like, oh, well, you know, I'm not, you know, I'm not homophobic or whatever. And they say, yeah, but it still hurts. So I had to change that. A lot of my other friends that are straight had to change that. So why can't we in that 10 year period do the same for, for black people? You know, like, why is it why is it now so unacceptable to call someone the F word? But to say the N word, it can still be written off as like, oh, well, you know, it's not that big a deal. Yeah, I just have to say I agree with that. I grew up in a really diverse community. I grew up in Brooklyn, actually. And so um, seeing students from everywhere, essentially, all over the world, in the city all the time, and then coming here and seeing blatant racism. I feel like when I was growing up, if there was racism, it was um, kind of underlying, like, little things like gentrification and stuff yeah. like that. But white people yeah. didn't just walk around yeah. saying the N-word. <laughs> that was not a thing. And I just find the word <laughs> yeah. extremely inappropriate to be happened. used by white people. And so I was just really frustrated to see that this was so blatant. And then on top of that, that they invited a black student into the group me. And then instead of just saying, hey, I'm sorry, it was like, well, that's not really what we meant. But you said it and it's there and we right. have proof of it. And that doesn't change. That, and that's just and that's just an illustration of white arrogance to begin with, you know, like and it's so prevalent down here in the South. You know, being in the army, I was around people that and it was a an adjustment period for all of us because, you know, coming from the Bronx, like most of my friends were black or Hispanic or whatever. And the guys from the South, most of their friends are white. They didn't have to really hang out with black folks. So like just that, like the I noticed with the white guys from the country, there was just like this attitude of, well, you know, that's just how we joke around where I'm from. So of course you've got to be okay with it because where I'm from, there's not many of you here. <laughs> so like, I think at a, at a university, the point is to educate us and to elevate us from that. 
you know, it's not the army. You know, you shouldn't be just like letting it go like that. So Yeah, I grew up on a small in a small southern town and most of the people I grew up with were really racist. And so coming to state, it was amazing to see that these these people had somehow made it out of our hometown but were still so ignorant even though they were at college. It was just incredible. That's the biggest shame. You know, you have the opportunity to educate yourself and you choose to be an idiot. So going back to the group me incident, do you think their apology was sincere? Absolutely not. Um, Because if the apology was sincere and if you were sorry for the people that you hurt, then um, you would have addressed it to the black students. Number one, because at the end of the day, the racial slurs that you were using were derogatory to black students. Do they reflect badly on the entire university? Yes. But did they cause the same amount of pain to other students? No. So I feel like the fact that they addressed it to the entire university or all all of the students at the university, the fact that it was barely two paragraphs, very, very um, brief apology. And then the fact that they both signed it together instead of writing their own separate apologies, to me, just did not give off an aura of sincerity whatsoever. Going off of that, like this school, I'm a communications major. And if you've taken Com 316, public relations writing, like, yeah, like it's such a strict class. And no, no exactly. it wouldn't have flown in any other class. It wouldn't have flown in any class whatsoever. No, no. or even to get into mm-hmm. the school. You know, the, the standards to get into the school are so high. And it's gotten even higher since, like, I first came here. So the fact that they let something like that, like, they didn't even make them put their best foot forward, show how much they actually do know. Yeah. So in your own words and experiences, what would you say the racial climate of NC State currently is? I think that racial climate refers to um, not just diversity quotas and not just we're letting in students of color, we're letting in students with different sexual orientations, or we're letting letting in non-traditional students, um, we're letting in veterans. It's how do those students feel on campus? Um, so I think that racial climate... Ha- um, has something bigger to do with just the whole concept of diversity in general and how do those students feel are they comfortable on campus do they feel like they have resources available to them do they feel like the university is doing its job and educating them and making sure that they feel safe on campus there's a difference between being comfortable and being safe i'm not one to say that college should be the biggest comfort zone you should expect some growth in a university setting but you should also expect to be to have your ideas challenged but you should also expect to feel safe and have your ideas challenged in a respectful manner. And to me, there's just a certain amount of dignity, a certain amount of integrity that students should possess when they come to a university setting. And I feel like the racial climate on campus is indicative of the of the fact that students are not necessarily as diverse or um, as inclusive as NC State likes to tell people. Definitely agree with that. I feel like diversity at NC State is just like a thin layer of on the expression tunnel, you know, like when they try to refab the, uh, the the expression tunnel every year, you still see all the stuff that was behind the layer that they put on top of it. And that's exactly what the racial climate is. You know, the, the, the administration does a lot. They try, but it's just not genuine. You know, we still have I hate to be the one to just always attack fraternities and sororities, but we still have fraternities and sororities on campus that are historically racist. As a student of color, like you're just always going to have that lingering feeling of just not being that 
comfortable. You know, you can go to an event. I DJ. I DJ around the city. I do clubs. I do everything. And like, as a man in his late 20s, I've never thought I'd do a DJ a frat party, but they paid me really well to do it. So I was like, all right, forget it. I'll do it. And, um, you know, as a DJ from the Bronx, like I have a very New York kind of way of DJing. Like I like to put my da- my dance hall and my reggaeton in there. And yeah, see, you know what I'm talking about. But like, you know, most of my audiences have been black or Hispanic or whatever. So that like that, you know, gets the party going crazy when you put that stuff on. And I literally had some drunk white girl come up to me and say, you need to turn this jungle music off. You know, like if I wasn't getting paid, I just I, <laughs> I just would have unplugged everything and just walked off. But I just knowing that you have to brush something like that off is just it sucks, man. Like it's DJing up in New York as an artist, I would have the dignity to be able to go to a bouncer and say like, yo, can you believe what this girl just said to me? And they'd kick her out, you know, but in the South and here on NC State's campus, like it's like you got to look at where you are and you got to say, OK, well, damn, I got I guess I got to just shake it off. And that sucks, man. Like especially as a grown man, like I who's been to war, I've been, you know, in the military. I was a special forces operator. I don't like to brush anything off, but to have to brush off some little 18 year old white kid talking about jungle music, it, it hurts, man. And you got to see that person again on campus. You know, NC State's a big campus, but we still bump into everybody. You know, I bump into people that it may be like a couple years later, but you still bump into people. You know, when there's that underlying racial hatred, it's just bubbling on the bottom. It always comes up to the top and it's never going to make our campus, our racial climate that good until something is really actually done about it. So would you say y'all experience microaggressions regularly? Most of the time, multiple times a week, um, whether they come from students, whether they come from faculty and staff, um, but I definitely would like to say yes, most definitely. Um, I've had a couple students say, oh, well, you're really smart for a black girl, or um, my favorite is, well, you'll get a job because you're black and you're a woman and people need diversity. Um, Not because I'm qualified, not because I'm an honor student, not because I work hard, um, but because I'm black and I'm a woman. Um, So I find that very disheartening. Um, I've heard professors say certain things. Um, Professors not expect me to know certain things or be um, knowledgeable about certain subjects because I am black. Um, I guess this isn't really a microaggression. I got called a monkey last year on campus by a white student. Um, Yeah, so I have an issue um, with the group me incident because like I said previously, these are the behaviors that manifest themselves in everyday conversations, um, in everyday interactions with students of color and faculty of color as well. So um, I'm interested to see what other microaggressions other people have um, experienced on NC State's campus. Well, I mean, actually, I had one a couple of weeks ago. I also, on top of working here at KNC, I founded Wolf Tracks Music Group and um, started off as the operations director there. And most of the other guys were the founding members and executives last year. But, you know, we all, I don't know, we all kind of had like that that um, mutual respect where we all kind of took each other seriously. And when we said something that was part of our subject matter expertise, it was, that was it. This year we have younger executives, you know, they're like 19 up to 21 and they're, but they're white. We have one girl who's our he's Egyptian we were doing auditions and we had a white rapper come in and he was really kind of overselling the hood accent my if if I don't have as hood of an accent as I used to have (laughs) there's no reason why a white rapper from the suburbs should be using a hood accent and I just kind of said that I was like hey man like you're good at what you do but just drop the accent just be yourself and every white kid every white person on the panel of executives of the organization that I founded jumped on me and literally told me like oh my god don't be an asshole like in front of the kid who's auditioning and like 
yo, like, I can say that. <laughs> forget being black. Forget being, like, a biracial man. Like, you know, I'm from the Bronx. Like, <laughs> like, you know, I grew up there. Like, you know, like, if I if I don't like that you're using that accent, I can tell you that. And it doesn't mean that I'm attacking. That just, that, that just kind of, like, took me back, you know. And it actually kind of just... And it was almost like once they saw that I was annoyed by it. On top of that, there was, like, this assumption that I was going to go through, you know, minority hood dude rage that never happened. You know, and it's like they were all, like, trying to soothe me. Like, oh, we're sorry. We didn't really mean it like that. Like, listen, I'm good. I'm a grown-up. You know, I'm going to get arrested if I've you know put hands on somebody right. like microaggressions like that like especially as a man is different too because you're always it's always assumed that as any kind of minority man if anything pisses you off meanwhile they're the ones talking about bringing guns to peaceful demonstrations so. so have you had any other experiences with that kind of very overt racist action like you mentioned earlier um, the Racial Climate Town Hall last year had a number of students who expressed um, some very overt racist remarks that they had heard or had been a part of the conversation with. Um, I don't really want to air out their business um, because that's their story to tell and not mine. But I know that it I know that it has occurred on campus. I will say that. No, no, mine was not an isolated incident at all. One of the things that kind of like seeped into my head, like it just kind of like dawned on me a couple of weeks ago after the town hall is that I've actually never had a black teacher, a black professor at this school. And I'm taking African history of African-American music this semester and I still don't have a black professor. And my professor, Dr. Turner, she's great. Like she's a really nice woman and she knows her her stuff but I mean it's just to not have ever had a black professor and then to go to that class where I kind of was hoping I'd have a black professor. <laughs> it just wasn't. It wasn't there. And also being where I've kind of seen it, too, was um, professor made a comment to me once. I have a child and I'm not married. And that's not it's not a black thing. I know plenty of white people that have kids that aren't married. But it was kind of like insinuated, like, oh, given your background, being from the Bronx. And like, like, you know, she assumed that my kid was older because I'm older. She assumed that my kid was like maybe 10. My kid's two years old. And she assumed that I was like this kid who, you know, got someone knocked up in the hood and then went to the army to to get money and then came to college. And would she have had that assumption if I was a white guy? If I was, you know, a white guy close to 30 years old, she'd probably assume that I'm married and have a 401k and all that. Is there anything else you wanted to talk about in regards to how administration handled the group me incident from a couple weeks ago? In terms of administration, I think my biggest thing is as someone who is in journalism, someone who is very interested in media and has a special passion for that. I was very disappointed to see Chancellor Woodson reading from the teleprompter when he discussed in his video about how there were those words and the racial slurs and things that were used were protected by the First Amendment and how NC State does not, that is not an NC State value. Racism is not an NC State value. And to me, he just he needs a better PR team because it was blatantly obvious that he was reading from a teleprompter. And that was the most insincere thing that probably occurred from him besides not looking at the black students at the town hall that occurred from him after that group me incident is I was watching you read the comments. Um, and instead of saying black students, and that was another thing that I had an issue with or students of color, because that is the community that it affected. So obviously this affects the wider NC state community, but call it for what it is and call it racism and and say, this affects a certain population within our community, and I am sorry about that. So I was just not very pleased with the video. I don't think he did an awful job, but it just seemed very insincere. I mean, Chancellor Woodson, whether he likes it or not, 
he has some underlying racist tendencies and the fact that he couldn't just get comfortable with his students who helped him keep his six figure plus salary. <laughs> it just says a lot. Yeah, I mean, I think the thing that frustrated me the most um, about the town hall as well is the students that were speaking, the students of color that were speaking, I know most of those students. Mm -hmm. And I know that they contribute more to the university than just paying their tuition and fees and then showing up for class. These are the students that are putting initiatives in place that allow you to put on your brochures that NC State is, is a diverse place. Okay, these are the students of color that are contributing much more than just good grades and tuition and fees money. And that's what's so frustrated to, frustrating to me was that these are students of color who were making it an effort to make NC State a better place consistently, um, whether that's through their student organizations or working or something of that nature. And um, to see that effort disregarded and to see um, Chancellor Woodson essentially not call the racism out for what it is and say, I'm sorry that these students of color was hurting. To me, that was that disregarded all the co contributions that these students of color make because we do make a unique contribution to the university. Yeah. yeah. I mean, anywhere you look in any department, you know, you see students of color just making things happen, you know, whether they're Hispanic or black or Indian yep. or Asian, you know, like we're, we're the ones out there doing stuff because we need to. You know, we need to we be, have no other option. We need to have expansive resumes when we graduate college. We, we can't just go option. through the motions. We can't just do a little internship somewhere. Like we have to have a solid resume because we have to impress. Okay. Um, so for all the students who do have questions about um what the student of color experience is like or um just in general, how you can make yourself more of an inclusive person and really recognize your implicit biases. Um, this is Diversity Education Week. There's over 50 events planned. There's an opportunity for you to learn about different cultures, um, different aspects of people's identities. Um, and that is not just something that is for white students. That's not something just for cisgendered students or heterosexual students um, or traditional students. This is something that is, and when I say traditional, I mean students that come right out of high school into college, um, not anything else. Um, and so for me, I think it's really, really important that also students of color are consistently doing the work to make sure that we're recognizing our implicit bias. Um, and then uh, able-bodied students, uh, cisgendered students, um, etc. All marginalized groups have some type of implicit bias. That's just human nature. And so I think this is a time that we can all start to recognize that. Um, and not just, we need to make sure we're not just calling out uh, one side of oppression and make sure that we're doing our best to dismantle all systems of oppression. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Cause that's, that's as someone who's, who's mixed, I've seen it from both sides, you know, but, and it hurts, it hurts more when I see it from the black side and all honesty, mm -hmm. cause I expect it from expected. the white, you mm -hmm. know, <laughs> but on that same note, as Stephanie was saying, like, um, also we have a great hip hop community out here in Raleigh, you know, you might have to go off campus a little bit, but you might have to Uber for $5. But what is that? You know, go downtown, go to an event, go to a hip hop event. Our hip hop community is really good like, in, the, in the sense that it's safe. You know, we're not like New York where you can go to a club. <laughs> like, and while like, you're like, I love I love our hip hop community here and I would stay here in Raleigh because of it, because being in New York, having DJed up there, like it can be dangerous out there. But here, like everybody is so cool and it's so safe and you get to learn, meet new people. And if you're a white student and you call it what it is, most white kids love hip hop, you know, <laughs> 
get to know the local scene. We got a really dope local scene. We got artists that are like on the verge of blowing up. So get to know those people. Get out of your comfort zone. Get Come down to the deep south. Come down to Kings one night and just see what we're about. See what the black community is about here in Raleigh. You know, make yourself a member of the community. There are plenty of white, like Anderson Burrs, whitest guy I know, but loved by, <laughs> by every black rapper I know. You know, there's no excuses out there. Just get out there. As I said before, I'm the editor-in-chief of the Nubian Message, which is historically the African-American newspaper here on campus. We're really reaching out this year to make sure that we are representing all marginalized groups. So if you feel like that applies to you, definitely feel free to submit a guest column. Feel free to join the staff. I can be reached at nubian-editor at ncsu.edu. My name is also Stephanie Tate, so you can just look me up in the directory and shoot me a personal email. But if there's a topic that you would like us to cover or a conversation you would like us to have with our audience, then feel free to hit us up. Anybody who is interested in working in the music industry, wants to get real experience working in the music industry, or if you're an artist that wants to be more serious about your craft, come and check out Wolf Tracks Music Group. It's NC State's first student-run entertainment management firm. Most of us are PR majors, and it's like an awesome opportunity for us to put what we learn in school into real life into something that's really cool. So get out there and do it. We meet at um, 6.30 on Tuesdays in Withers Room, room 120. And that yeah, it's open invitation. Thanks for listening to this episode of Gen Ed and happy Diversity Education Week to North Carolina State University. Please follow us on social media, WKNC881 on SoundCloud, Tumblr, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Also follow us. Also subscribe to our podcast channel in the iTunes store where you can find every episode of Gen Ed as well as legal work and our off the record and local band, local beer interviews. Thanks for listening.